Brothers, every week we come in here and we have an opportunity to do worship. We raise our voices to the Lord. But I got a question for you, and you don't have to answer this, okay? But I just got a thought for you guys to think about. When you come into high school room or you go into conference or you go a youth group trip or you're in church on Sunday morning and you see someone during worship, during music, and they've got their hands raised high or they're kneeling down or they're expressing their worship and their love to the Lord outwardly. What do you guys think about someone who does that? Don't answer it. Do you think it's kind of weird? Is it distracting? When you're in church on a Sunday morning, you got some dude behind you or some girl behind you or in front of you, and they got their hands raised and they're swaying back and forth and they're singing and they're crying and they got their head up and all this. Is it a distraction for you? Or do you look at it as something that you kind of envy a little bit, that you wish you had the courage because you know in the heart of your hearts that you wish you had the courage that you would be able to outwardly express your love for the Lord in a way that you wouldn't care what anybody else thought? Or is it just like a distraction? Or do you look at them like you're faking it? You don't even mean this. I see you at school. You never raise your hands when you're at school. Or I see you when you're at work and you're using language you shouldn't use or you're talking about stuff you shouldn't be talking about. But I want to challenge you guys with this thought tonight before we do worship, okay? Because I want to talk to you guys about a scripture, and I'm going to take maybe five minutes, ten minutes tops, if that. Because I want to just lay this idea out to you about expressing your worship and your love for God in your life. Now, listen to me when I tell you this. Some people are not emotional. Some people just don't tick that way. So I'm not going to isolate this just to a moment of worship on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. I want to I see if you can get this idea of worship is a lifestyle. Expressing my love for Christ is a lifestyle. How do you, think about this for a second. How do you, if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and you believe in the cross and the empty tomb, how do you express your love to the Lord during the week? Outwardly. I'm not talking about an inward expression. I'm talking about as you live your life during the week, What's it look like for you to express your love for Christ? Again, is it the way you behave? Is it the language you use? Is it the stuff you look at online, fellas? How do you express that? By not looking at the stuff online? Girls, is it because when you're in the hallway at school, you're not gossiping? Or are you gossiping? How are you expressing your love for the Lord in your daily life? I'm sure you read your Bible, you pray, you come to youth group regularly, But I want you to think about that for a second, okay? Because in Luke, the book of Luke, look at me, junior hires in the back room, pay attention real quick. The book of Luke expresses it this way. He talks about in Luke 7, and I think it's verses 36 through 50, the story talks about two people, three if you count Jesus in this. One of them is Simon. Simon's a Pharisee. And Simon comes to Jesus, and most Pharisees are usually trying to trap Jesus in some sort of an idea or back him into a corner to catch him off guard. But Simon seems to be genuine in his expression. He comes to Jesus and he said, would you come to my house and have dinner? And Jesus says, yes, for whatever reason, Jesus said yes to this guy. I want to set the setting for this because when they had dinner in those days, it was kind of an open air market. When he would come in and have dinner with Simon, it was open air so people could come in. There were actually people that would come into these events and they would sit and just listen to the conversation going on around the table. They would just sit and listen, people from the community. And what they were doing, they would listen for what they were talking about, but they were also waiting for leftovers from scraps from the table. 
So picture this. And the other thing you got to realize too is if, if Jesus is having dinner at this table, they aren't sitting like you guys are sitting. They're actually reclined down on the ground and they're leaning on their left hand, on their left arm, on their elbow. So Jesus would be leaning toward the table with his feet out behind him. That's how everyone in that day ate their dinner. I'm really glad we got chairs because my back couldn't take laying on the ground like that to have dinner for very long. So they would lean on their arms, stretched out on the table. The table was real low to the ground back in those days. And then what would happen is they would eat with their right hand. So they would go around, they'd be eating with their right hand, looking at everybody, everybody's sitting around this table, open air theater, if you will, where people could come in and sit around and listen. <clears throat> and Simon is a Pharisee, so he's very self-righteous, very prideful, very arrogant in who he is because he's a Pharisee. And he's supposed to know all the scripture. He's a rabbi. Jesus comes in and sits down. Well, Jesus is known as a prophet, okay, in that day. Well, Simon kind of gets sarcastic with him, and I'll talk about that maybe in just a second. But all of a sudden, I want you to picture this scene. They're sitting around, they're having their dinner, and up to the area where they're having their dinner walks a woman. And this woman, they, the Bible refers to her as a sinful woman. If you study long enough, basically she's a prostitute. And she has many sins. I want you to picture the most lost person at your school, the one that would be known as the sinful woman or the sinful guy. And all of a sudden, they walk in here on a Wednesday night in the youth group, and you didn't know they were coming. Would you, don't answer this, just think. Would you be glad they're here? Or would you think to yourself, what's Dan doing here? You see, because I think, honestly, I do believe there was a day in my life when I showed up for church, people who knew me from before would be like, what's Dan doing here? Why is he in the room? Do you know who he is? Do you know what he's done? Because I would have been considered the sinful man. Because my sins were many at the age of 38 years old. This woman walks in, and she comes up to Jesus. And she starts to weep. She kneels down behind him where his feet are at. And she starts to weep loud, bawling. And I mean just breaking down in tears. Now picture Simon, the Pharisee, sitting at the table thinking, Hey, what's this woman doing here? I can't believe he's supposed to be a prophet and he lets her touch him. If he was really a prophet, he'd know who that woman was that was touching him, not being Jesus. And this woman is bawling and she's crying and she's crying so hard. And in those days, they had their sandals off when they walked into an area where they ate. She's crying so hard that she's able to wash the feet of the Lord with her tears. That's how broken this woman is. Her sins were many. And everybody in that area knew it because they knew she was a streetwalker. And this woman goes on to weep and cry. And then what she did, she broke all, she took so many chances in this story because in those days, a young woman was able to let her hair down, but an older woman like this woman would have been, a married woman at that age, they were not able to let their hair down in public in front of anyone. So Taylor, you would, not be, you would not be allowed to let your hair down in public. Do you know that? Because in that day, it was found to be very promiscuous that you would do that. This is a very, very bad thing to do. So this woman is knelt down and she is crying so hard that she's wetting Jesus' feet and she washes his, his feet with her hair. Now ladies, picture this for a second because I think you can appreciate this. I'm going to take one of the boys in youth group and I'm going to bring them up here in the front of the room and I'm going to ask you to come up, wet their feet and wipe it off with your hair. I know, right? 
Think about this for a second. Think about what this woman was doing and how courageous she was and how desperate she was to do one thing. She didn't care about anybody else in the room, you guys. She was willing to express her love to the Lord and she didn't give a rip about what anybody else thought because she was breaking all cultural norms. In those days, rabbis, men would not speak to a woman outside of their own home. They wouldn't even talk to you. This is how much Jesus elevated women in this in this culture, in this society. And not only that, but when she gets done and she wipes his feet with her hair, then she takes a very, very expensive perfume, an oil, and she pours it on his feet and anoints his feet as well. When you see this, Jesus says this to Simon. Simon's looking at this and he's like, who? This guy's not a prophet. If this guy was all that in a bag of chips, he'd know who that woman was. Well, see, he didn't say it out loud. The scripture says he thought it to himself. And Jesus looked at Simon, he says, Simon, I got a question for you. And Simon says, go ahead, ask it. And Jesus tells him a parable about two people. There's a money lender and there's two people in this story. Two people who have a debt that they cannot repay. One has been given 500 pieces of silver. One has been given 50 pieces of silver. And they cannot repay this debt. <clears throat> so the money lender, out of his kindness of his heart, he wipes the debt clean. They couldn't pay it. There's no way they could pay this debt. You're picking up what they're laying down in the scripture, but the money lender wipes their debt clean. And Jesus looks at Simon and he says, okay, Simon, who do you think was the most grateful? Who do you think appreciated this effort the most of them, their debt being wiped out? Simon goes, obviously, the one who had the most money, the one who was given the 500 pieces of silver and wiped clean. He had more appreciation. He had more respect. He had more admiration and was grateful to the person who wiped out his debt. And it says in scriptures that Jesus turned around and looked at this woman who was washing his feet. And he scolded Simon. Because in those days when you came into the room, when you came into dinner, somebody's house for dinner, they gave you water to wash your feet. They would greet you with a kiss. They would, they would give you an inexpensive little bit of olive oil for your head. That was just cultural stuff that they did. And Jesus looks at Simon and said, when I come in this house, you didn't give me any water for my feet. You didn't greet me with a kiss. And you didn't give me any olive oil to anoint my head. And he says, this woman, Jesus says, this woman came in and she washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair and then started kissing my feet and has been doing it ever since. And then she took a very costly anointing perfume that all women had with them, and she anointed Jesus' feet. And he looked at Simon, and he says, those who have been forgiven much, love much. And those who have been forgiven little, love little. Here's what, here's what my fear is for all of you in this room. You know that? You know what it is? When I was 38 years old, I was knee-deep in sin. I was neck-deep in sin. I knew I needed saved. I knew who rescued me out of the pit of hell, because I had a lot of sin. My fear for you guys is this. You grow up in a Christian home. You've never been deep in sin. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. He who has been forgiven little, loves little. I never want you guys, I had this conversation with my kids because they grew up in our home as a Christian. And I told them, I said, my biggest fear for you is you will not appreciate what the Lord's done for you like I do. I remember the old Dan and I don't want to go back. And that's why I've never gotten over being saved. Because I was like this woman, and I have shed those kind of tears, and now other people in this room have done the same thing. I have shed the kind of tears that could wash the feet of our Lord. 
If I could have the worship band come up on stage, we're going to close with worship. And I want to challenge you guys with this. I don't care if you've got, here's what I want you to have. You, want, you know what I want you guys to have as high school and junior high kids? You know what I want from you? I want you guys to have the most stinking boring testimony of anybody that you've ever talked to. My daughter told me when she was younger, she says, my dad, my dad, she said, my, my testimony's boring. I've never done anything. I've never been knee deep in sin. But my daughter loves the Lord with all of her heart because she realized she needed saved. I don't care how good you think you are and how little you think you've been forgiven of. The only way you get to heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care. I want you guys to have the most boring testimony on the planet. I want you guys to walk around going, I, we used to wear a t-shirt and our sweatshirt in school and we met at Virginity Rocks. And stay with that until the day you're married. I want your testimonies to be dirt boring. Because, but you know what I want you to do? You can say, I knew this, this nut job in youth group named Dan one time, and this guy had sin that would scare a sailor. It was horribly bad the way this guy lived his life. So you can use me as that example. You can use other leaders in this room as that example. Where you think you want to try something because you want a better testimony than what you have, come talk to one of us, right, Stace? Come talk to one of us. We'll tell you exactly what it is, right, Jeb? We'll tell you the consequences that come with that. But I want you guys to know, if you're in this room, I want you to know that you need to love much because you've been forgiven much by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to challenge all of you in the room tonight. You listen to God but we're going to do worship and we're going to lift our voices up to him. And I'm, I'm challenging you to be like the woman and not care who else is in the room. I don't care if you lift your hands. I don't care if you move, but I want you in your heart to not care who else is in this room. I want you to be able to lift up your voice tonight in worship to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to him, because you know what? He who loves much, been forgiven of much, loves much. On your feet, let's worship. Mike, it's yours, buddy.